You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to call out to the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful and bring this legacy into the lives of the living. I call out those people who lived well and died well and stand behind us, assisting the living in to learn from those who have gone before us, to um, not continue to make the same mistakes, to not continue to make the same choices that don't work, to not continue in the same way just because that's the way it's been done. But to listen to these ancestors and we call them in so that they can help us to know where to stand true, where to continue that which has always been and where that which has been needs now to change and to be that force of innovation and creativity and inspiration that is necessary in our time. And so we ask these ancestors to help us to open ourselves to that which is trying to come through us in our own time to be the medicine for our world. And we ask these ancestors to help us to do this in a way that allows that which needs to be done to be here now for those who are coming. And as these human ancestors gather around us here today, let us us reach out through the humans to those energies of life that are non-human and were here long before there ever was a human and will be here, I am certain, long after. And we call out to these ancestors in their many forms in this great fabric of life here on this planet. We call out to these energies to be with us here today and support us. Help us to remember that which is deep and true within us. Help us to surrender to our own true nature, to not be distracted by every new and shiny thing, to get caught up in that which is simply smoke and mirrors and illusion but to lean back into that which we can trust, that which is our true nature, that which allows us to weave in and be part of the fabric of all of nature. We ask these ancestral helping spirits, these non-human ancestral helping spirits, to help us to understand our place in something larger than ourselves. And as all of these helping spirits in their many forms gather around us here today, let us gather our own energy from wherever it might be into our head, from our head to our heart, from our heart to our belly, and from our belly let us reach down and take a moment and touch the earth to stop multitasking, to stop doing a million things at one time, and just focus for a moment on your pure gratitude. Thanks for your life, for this day for the wonder and miracle of life itself, for all the beauty, all of the diversity, all of the challenges that will come into your life to help you to grow into the man or woman you were truly born to be. We give gratitude to all of these things, and for this we thank the earth. We thank the earth for this home in which it all plays out, this place on which we walk this journey of our life. And we give deep thanks as we settle our energy in, reaching down through all the layers of the earth, giving gratitude as we go, moving all the way down to the very center of the earth and let us connect there to that energy that draws its strength from darkness, from silence, from stillness, that energy that nourishes us in meditation, in journeys, in dreams, and in sleep at night. Let us touch into this energy and begin to draw up this energy that refreshes and renews and restores. We call this energy into our life, drawing up the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. And we call this energy up that we might understand from the energy of the earth as it 
restores and replenishes and revitalizes us, that we begin to feel who this person really is. Who are you? Where do you stand? What do you stand for? And to build your life, your sense of home, the hearth that is the center of that home, to build that around that which has true heart and meaning for you. And to do this in a way that allows you to challenge yourself to be open to people, to ideas, to things that do not look like you, do not act like you, and do not believe the same things you do. But open yourself to them because they may have the very key to the development of your own heart. And so as we consider our ability to learn how to truly connect with ourself, to connect with others, to connect with our environment, to connect with the invisible world, and to learn all of these many, many layers of connection and to tend these relationships well, let us have a moment perhaps in each day to be blessed by that opportunity to feel the oneness of all things and our place within that great web of life. And may, may we take our sense of right relationship from that moment. So let us draw the energy of the earth up from our belly to our heart, our heart to our mind, and send it all the way up and out through the sky. Whatever weather that sky holds for you, out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos, reaching out through all the heavenly bodies and the great mysteries of our universe, reaching all the way to the highest power of that universe by whatever way you understand that energy, to connect with it, let it connect with you, to see yourself in it. And to see the divine in you. And to draw these energies down through all the layers of the sky into yourself, into this day, into, your, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the essence energy of blessing. And we draw these blessings into ourself and do so in a way that we offer these blessings to others. We call in the energy of protection. That it can infuse our boundaries and our grounding and help us to feel protected in the world. We call in this energy to support us in commitment and devotion and to draw in the benevolence of this universe. We call in these energies that we may be inspired, that the way may be illuminated. We call in the beneficence of the big, all that is. We call it all in and draw it into ourself, draw it into our day, send it down to the very center of the earth. And in this way, we open the center channel within the human and allowing the energies of the earth and sky to connect within this big love, these two great legendary lovers. And we have them connect within us that they may inspire that union within us and awaken the spirit of our own heart. And as our heart awakens by this big love energy, let it awaken the crucible of transformation that exists in our heart. This place where humans have the capacity to make not only change, but actual newness, actual transformation, creativity, and innovation. And so we call up the fiery passions of our belly and call down the crystal clarity of our mind and we draw these two energies so vastly different than each other together into a great passionate tango there in our heart that that dance, that dynamic tension, that energy might give birth to that third and most essential thing. Some sense, some inkling, some feeling, some memory, some awareness in your heart of that which matters most some inkling of why you are here and may you find some courage there in that very same human heart to do something in this day large or small to bring those gifts into the world in true manifestation and for all the spirit help that you have to do that and all the spirit help that i have to do that i am deeply deeply grateful may what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things I'd like to give thanks to Emily, to Mary, to Mary Kay, to Lynn, Valerie, Shane, Gray, and Douglas, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show in recent time. Uh, for those of you that are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. And so if this show moves you in any way, um, it is, even if it's frustration and irritation or joy and distraction, whatever it might be, it's moved you in the heart. And I ask you to do that most fundamental of shamanic things and allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world. And to do something, large or small, to support the show in some way, to help the show to grow strong, to help it to stay strong. 
And so um, if you'd like to donate financially to do that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. That's where the archives live as well as iTunes and co-creatornetwork.com. Um, anyway, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, um, click the support button, scroll down and donate any amount, large or small. I greatly appreciate all of it. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, to paying the bills that keep the show happening, to keep the archives available, um, downloadable to anyone who can get on the internet um, and downloadable for free. So. There are many ways to exchange energy. There are many ways to be in right relationship with why shamanism now if it is valuable to you. And I ask you, if you can't figure out how to do that, to journey and ask your helping spirits what that might be. But to do things. Um, some people transcribe shows. Some people bring the shows into their journey circles and spread the ideas and wrestle with the ideas. And from that comes questions. And from those questions come new shows. Anyway, my point is be creative. Find a way to be in right relationship with why shamanism now and otherwise enjoy. So we are live today. And if you have any questions about today's topic, which is visionaries, the shadow and shamanism. If you, any, if you have any questions about that topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can um, Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. Or you can email me at any time at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy um, potentially to respond to your questions in, in a new show or something. We'll see. But anyway, you're welcome to email me there. And if you would like a way to donate to the show that doesn't require doing it online, you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'd be happy to send you a regular address for a regular check. Okay. So... Last week, we talked about the teacher-leader energy, and we talked about it in the context of this time as the living here on this planet faced in many countries around the world with a profound dearth of good quality leadership. And the, leaders, the leader archetype's first comment about that was, well, what do you expect? that there is an incredible dearth in the micro-leadership, the personal leadership in the people of the world. And that as the people project more of their leadership responsibility for their self onto their leaders, they become less good as leaders. And so the leaders that are available become less good. So as we've moved along this week now to the visionary as an archetypal energy and what does the visionary have to share with us um, to inform us at this time on the earth and the visionary actually um, has a very similar message uh, which I'll kind of explore here today but basically it amounts to you know what do you expect from your visionaries if you are not using your own visionary capacity and you are projecting your responsibility for vision for a new possible future out onto other people. Um, and then with that comes um, that sort of powerless, that powerlessness, unconscious powerlessness that happens when we project our power out onto others is people start doing things around manifesting a new vision that really involve an enormous amount of fantasy thinking and make taking quote unquote actions that are not grounded to get any traction in the real world that it's a fan, it, that the vision ends up being a fantasy because people are quote unquote taking action that has no real bearing and so it's fantasy action based on fantasy thinking anyway so we'll get into that today but basically the visionary energy makes the truth visible whether we are looking back with the clarity of hindsight or looking with discernment here in the moment or whether we're looking forward at future possibilities. Um, and when we are living well, in other words, we're maintaining our energy body um, in a healthy state and maintaining a good emotional balance, then the visionary becomes this relentless power within each of us that constantly invites us to be who we've come to be. So the visionary has this relentless 
um, relationship with hope and possibility and innovation and creativity and what could be. So it's constantly inviting us to renew ourselves, to grow, to educate, to become an even better version of ourselves. So that's the nature of the visionary energy. It's not really about fantasy thinking and being um, all sad and grumpy about what is and just imagining what should be and romanticizing past lives um, as indigenous people and otherwise not really taking action in the world because the visionary wants you to take action and it's that inspiration that gives you the reason to take those actions in the world. And so it's constantly extending this invitation to you to be who you are, to step more truthfully into the world, to take actions, to create a world that better resonates with your sense of the truth, a world that better resonates with your values and the things that have heart and meaning. And <clears throat> But the visionary really cautions us to look very careful at what does it take to manifest a vision, particularly a new vision not just a repetition, a, a sort of a remodeled old vision, a remodeled version of what already exists for which there is a great deal of momentum, but to actually stand um, against the force of the momentum of what is and actually draw from that reality the energy and moving it into the manifestation of something that is new. You know, So what does it take to manifest a truly new vision? Um, so the visionary asks us to look at why is it so easy to get in the way of the relationship between your imagination of what could be and the choices that you actually make to manifest that life and the world around you. Why is it that we as contemporary people find it so easy to muck up that process and the vision can be so clear, so beautiful, so resonant, um, even with a deeper a deeper truth, and yet our actions, um, if we take them at all, tend to bear no fruit. Okay. So the visionary says true visionaries are a dime a dozen, that humanity is full of great ideas. And I've actually talked about this before, and I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot on this show, but it is important to remember that the abuse of the visionary energy, and this is, this is really um, – quite prevalent in shamanic circles, shamanic teachers, many of our beloved shamanic teachers who write books um, that are widely read, etc. Um, new, new age uh, visionaries, that for many of these visionaries, they abuse the visionary energy. They, they are great visionaries and the visionary energy flows well through them and they are articulate and they are capable of really making that possibility of this new vision real for us. And we get all excited to take action and make it happen. And then the visionary person is nowhere to be seen. And that there's no structure, there's no process, there are no skills, there, there's, there's nothing offered. There's no bridge offered for how we get from where we are there. That's an abuse of the visionary energy. And it is unfortunate that so many of our true visionaries in this time um, do that, that they actually abuse this enormous gift that they have, they're, that they're, there's a lack of balance within themselves. Now, one person who doesn't, I would say, would be Charles Eisenstein. I mean, he's really very much engaged in participating in how we build the bridge. Um, and others, others like Charles. So Charles isn't the only one, but he's a good example of someone who is not doing that. Um, okay, so that's the big question then is, is um, how do we deal with the fact that humanity is filled with great ideas? Um, but what we find in short supply are those people who will actually manifest the new vision. That these are people who have the capacity to stay out of the fantasy thinking, out of the abuse of the visionary energy, to actually hold two very divergent thoughts or visions that simultaneously and tirelessly, they actually gain energy from holding that tension, that dynamic tension, and then to work on all, all parts of the project indefatigably. I love that I finally have a podcast I can use that word. <laughs> so... Um, Vision is really easily distorted by doubt. 
so we have this great vision. Then we, we start to want to hold that tension between the current reality and the vision we want to create and start to make things happen. And doubt can come in and cripple the, the most resonant vision. Um, so the vision and how we get there gets easily distorted by doubt. It gets distorted by um, perceiving reality as a limitation versus perceiving reality as the raw material that we will draw from to create the new vision. It's a very important shift of perspective if you actually would like to create, for example, in America, create a world in which Bernie could get elected, right? You have to not see the current reality as limitation, but simply as the raw material you have to work with to create that new reality. It's a very important shift of perspective if you really want to manifest a new vision. And see, and this is the thing. How bad do you want it, people? How bad do you want a world where people of all races do not have to protest, peacefully protest for the right to have clean drinking water? How bad do you want that? What are you willing to do to stop the momentum of the current reality and manifest a new vision? I love you all. We're not doing enough right now. I love you, but it's not enough. And so these shows, these two, yes, last week, this week, and the coming, are really about going to the archetypes and asking, how do we need to show up differently, more, better, whatever, more effectively, more efficiently, more craftily, with greater sneakiness and be more clever so that we actually can do this now? Okay, so... The thing is, oh, and then the other thing, I got distracted here. So the other thing that distorts our vision is the truth. The truth is the truth. I, and I mean when we're looking at the truth that's resonating with the real reality that's underneath the apparent life that we're all living. There are truths here that are resonant. And what stops us a lot in manifesting a vision is we, we come in conflict with our truth and that we find out that the truth is going to have ramifications on our life, that we don't like the truth, we don't like the source of the truth. And so often as the visionary starts to expose the truth for us, we cower from the, the greater truth, which is, yeah, you're going to have to stop doing that addictive thing you're doing if you want to manifest this other reality. Yeah, that's the truth. Sorry. You know, are you going to do it? Are you willing to give that up for this possible new reality. That, that's the challenge with the visionary and why so many people abuse the visionary energy. They want to keep it in that place where everybody's happy. But the truth is in manifesting a new vision, everybody isn't going to be happy. Even everybody who wants the new vision isn't always going to be happy because the bottom line is manifesting new things in the physical world takes work. And it's a lot of work nobody wants to do. And I am here to tell you, raise my hand, I've got two such projects going on and I can tell you with conviction that people don't want to do the work. They want to do the finishing touches, the fun parts at the end after somebody else has done hours and hours and hours of labor. I mean back to the shows on racism. The vision of this country itself was based on slave labor forcing people to do those hours and hours of hard work to create that bridge to the new vision of the new world of America, slave labor. And keep that in mind because for you, if you want to manifest a new vision, you have got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and work. Boring, many, many hours of repetitious work that no one is going to think you're fabulous for doing. And if you're unwilling to do that, then stop whining about the new vision and get out of the way of the people who are willing to do it. Because this is – no, your leaders are not going to hand this change to you. We're the change. So what does it really take for us to stop saying be the change you want to see and actually be the change that you want to see? Okay. So – most people can't see through the lies that they tell themselves in the first place, which is why you struggle with visionary energy, especially when the lies 
um, that they keep help to keep them from actions that would add up to this this change, this work that they don't want to do. So for most, it's a challenge to see through the hype and the illusion to the actual power, to the actual something that you would want to do or you would want to vote for or you would want to take action around. So anyway, so like the leader who pointed out um, the relationship between the shortage of good leaders in governments and the populace, um, who this relationship between the shortage of good leaders and a populace who doesn't take leadership upon themselves. The visionary has also pointed out that the responsibility for the vision is being projected out onto world leaders, worldwide being projected out onto world leaders, and that the responsibility for manifesting that vision is also being projected out. And this is the place we have to stop both projecting out who the visionary is and for giving us the vision in the first place. And we have to stop projecting out the power and the responsibility to make the new vision happen. So if you want to live a life of meaning and purpose for your own heart, you must imagine that world. You have to take responsibility for imagining that vision in the future and be willing to take personal action to manifest it today. In other words, your next steps are right here where you are. They have to have traction in your daily life today to begin to move you towards the new vision. So in other words, if I want a world, if I put it back in the U.S. context where um, Bernie can be president, writing Bernie in isn't helpful. If I want a world that has got more eco-awareness, voting for a Green Party candidate isn't helpful because we haven't created the context in which that step of voting for that leader can have any traction in the world. We're not there yet, in other words. You have to, you have to take your action where you are as you build this bridge towards the future vision. Okay, so – that um, so as I just said, this um, example of people that want a chance to vote for something. Now that sounds good, of course. We all want to have a chance to vote for something. No matter what country you're in, you want to vote for something. And that sentiment is good, but it's also a misuse of the visionary energy because, of course, you want to vote for something, but if you wanted that, you needed to have worked for that possibility to be in place so that it can actually be voted for. Because voting is just selecting a leader. And so the visionary is trying to help us to see you can't just do this fantasy thinking, you know, voting for an imaginary person who's going to do imaginary fabulous things for you. But you need to put the conditions in place so that that person can then do the leading. Um, so your vote does one thing as an action in manifesting a vision. It selects the leader, um, that the whole globe has to live with for the next four years. So it is an action. It's, it's not a protest vote. It, it, none of those things are real. It does one thing. It elects the person who's going to lead. And we haven't done the groundwork for what it is that we want. We have to accept that. And so after you vote, in this reality, it's the same thing with um, Brexit and things that happen in Australia. It's the same thing with pollution in Beijing. I mean that we have to lay the groundwork as the populace for the leaders to be able to create the change and to even have the leaders to vote for who would create the change. Anyway, so back to the whole point. So voting, for example, is an action that is very simple and direct. It is an action that is being taken now in today's reality. You can't vote to create the future. You create for today because you're going to live with it literally for the next four years. So you take that action in the real world. And so it's precisely the same issue for those of you who want to vote for someone who more closely shares your values. Um, then you have to take that action over the next four years in the real world to change the game 
so that there are viable candidates that more closely share your values, who can have some traction in the political and government world to take this action. Again, you can't vote from this place of fantasy thinking. You can't um, take actions in your life again and again to create a new reality that have no traction in reality. So let me not belabor this point more than to simply say you need to be lucid and conscious about what your actions actually do. In the manifestation of a new world, our actions are taken in this world now, and they need to build toward the new world. So we can't take an action from a place of fantasy thinking or visionary high and expect it to affect our world because it's got no traction. So to work with the visionary energy, you must hold two thoughts, often thoughts that can barely live together. And one is the vision of what you want to create And the other is a painfully clear, accurate, grounded vision of current reality that includes all that needs to change and all that is beautiful and wonderful in current reality. And this is the piece most people don't have the heart or take the time to do, is to embrace reality in its fullness, in its shadow in its brightness, in its its despair, in its joy, to embrace all of current reality and act there and use it as the raw material that moves you towards the vision that you want to manifest and stay out of fantasy thinking. So when we use the imagination of our beautiful minds and hold these two energies together, the vision you want to create and the painfully accurate, clear, heartbreakingly true current reality, and then we meditate on that, it creates a dynamic tension because your heart and your mind start working together, stoking these creative fires to solve the problem. How do I get from here to there? And we never get to there if we won't embrace here. This is the big message from the visionary. Precisely this dynamic tension that is created by holding these two that generates the creative energy that we'll need to do it. That allows us, it's like the forge that allows us to transform the resources that are embedded in current reality and transform them into the resources we need to create the future reality. So then, once we have that creative energy moving, then we can shape that energy into the actions that can be crafted in the now to get traction and to move us towards the vision. Now, this creates a lot of frustration in people because we want the new world now. That frustrate that frustration and impatience inspires magical thinking, and um, action, um, the, and magical thinking inspires actions like I'll just do ceremony, I'll just do ritual, um, and you know I never really know how that works, so I'm just going to throw that out in the world. And it's not that ritual and ceremony wouldn't be great steps to take in building the bridge. But they need to be ritual and ceremony crafted out of that dynamic tension of the real reality and where we're going, not just this frustration with not being there yet. It's actually very childish. You know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like we used to do as kids in the car, right? The point is that to do so, to take actions that are just these reactions out of that frustration and impatience changes nothing. While it ha- those actions have consequences in reality. And so this is the difference between adult children and those, and, and those who have actually cultivated some spiritual maturity is that you have the skills. If you've cultivated spiritual maturity, you have the skills to deal with your childish frustration and impatience, which I have buckets full. But I get the fact I can't let them drive my life. They can't make the decisions for you, not if you want to manifest a vision of a new world. So if you have shamanic skills, you can work with spirit to assist you in making sound decisions that will actually have traction in reality and move you towards the future. And you need to ask ask your structure, your questions that you take to your helping spirits to make sure that the next three actions they've given you to take have traction 
in your current reality. And if they don't, you've most likely imagined the situation in such a way that the very um, understanding of what you're asking questions about is fantasy thinking already. And you need to back up. Ask your helping spirits, where's my fantasy thinking in this? Ask, ask your helping spirits to help you expose what you can't see. You know, begin to work with the vision and the current reality with enormous discernment and honesty and courage of heart. Your heart will be both ecstatic at the possibility and broken by the reality. And ecstatic about the reality and the beauty of the world around us. And scared about the unknown of the future, that it's all this big jumble. And it takes real spiritual maturity to be able to hold that in that dynamic tension and let it become part of this energy that wants to solve the problem. How do we build the bridge? How do we get there? Another thing that's really important, particularly for people that want that vision which is as a mature human being, you need to keep in mind that you cannot hate step two because it is not step 49. I know I've said this before, but this is really important. This is something I've learned from the visionary, that you have to take step two, the very best that you can, and then step three and step four and step five. They all need to have traction in reality. You need to do that or you'll never get to step 49. And yeah, step 49 feels a long way away, but it's ev- it's getting further away if you're sitting here whining about not wanting to stay- take step two or three or four or five. The steps matter in ordinary reality. I, they don't matter at all in your journey. I get it. In the spirit world where there isn't, is nothing manifest in the physical world, time is different, everything happens in this random craziness like your dreams at night. Yeah, it's wonderful. I get it. You get to go retrieve soul parts and make magic happen. Absolutely. I get it. And in the 50 years I have been alive, the shamanic work that has risen up in the world has not made an impressive dent on reality that people are living. And it should. And it needs to now. We, are, we have grown up to the point where we need to step into um, shamanic citizenship. That, and that's, that's what the archetypes are saying. Enough already. You've grown up. Do it. You know, shut up and do it. Okay. So you can't have, hate step two because it's not step 49. And you must cultivate this capacity to hold two things, the vision for the future and the current reality in which we act and don't go into that excuse for ineffective spirit work, which is, well, you never really know the results of the ceremony. Bullshit. You can journey and audit and, obs- and assess and evaluate anything, any work that you have done in the invisible world. Often we're surprised at how successful they are. Often you will be surprised, particularly if your ritual or ceremony was based in fantasy thinking in the first place, how little anything happened, even though you felt good doing it. Right? The point is not just to feel good doing it, but the ripple effects that move out for having done it. Okay, so as I said, I journey to the visionary And the visionary said to understand what it really takes to manifest a new vision through your actions. And those actions can be ritual and ceremony, but they also need to be physical world actions. And also the visionary said, understand that each action can manifest, um, including the unintended consequences. And this is particularly problematic for fantasy thinking actions or actions taken based on fantasy thinking. Um, is that you you make you take this action and you intend it to be a gesture for something, but the truth is, it really is, for example, a vote that ends up getting the wrong person elected. I mean, it's the bottom line. Things have un- all things can have unintended consequences. Okay, and so the visionary said, for example, if you want to vote for Bernie, work together for the next four years to make his or someone like him make their run for presidency as a third-party candidate a, a viable thing. Think about your sphere of influence. Use your sphere of influence to organize and change the parts of the system that are broken or engage uh, the options within the systems that are not being utilized or where things are illegal, press charges. 
the visionary is saying, use your power. Use your sphere of influence. Take action in the real world to change the playing field. You've got four years. You don't have an option in America, for example, in this particular election. You don't have an option. The four years are already up. You're already voting now. So if you want it to be different, take action over the next four years so that it is different in 2020. And she and the visionary said, mostly understand that you take new actions, that you must take new actions for a new future. In other words, if you do nothing between now and 2020, it isn't going to be any different. It's just going to be new faces, same crap in any country, not just America, in any country. The visionary is really, you know, tick, 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 people. Take action. So overall, understand that you need to work together as collective leaders to create a change in your system that will allow you to vote for something that more closely aligns with your values. The visionary cautioned you have to stop projecting that responsibility out there for someone else to create for you. The true visionary tells the truth without blame or judgment and this non-judgmental truthfulness maintains your authenticity develops your inner vision and heightens your intuitive gifts so in other words when you project the visionary responsibility out in the world you stunt the growth of your own visionary capacity and so educate yourself so that you can actually see the new vision, not just remodel a version of the life that you're already living. You know, just the parts I like and take out the bad parts I don't like. The new vision, you know, those the, the parts you don't like and the parts you do like coexist, right? They're in equilibrium. So if you want a new vision, if you want to let go of the parts that you don't like, you need to be willing uh, to create what that new vision looks like and realize you may lose some of the parts you do like in their current form and may receive them in a new form that you is unimaginable to you right now. So educate yourself so that you can actually see a new vision, not just remodel the old version. Educate yourself about the physical world around you, natural and social. Learn about your physical health. I mean, the greatest politics in what I would call the Western world, those of you that have some luxury to make choices about what food you eat, how you spend your time, you actually have leisure time. All right, you all would revolutionary, create, create an inner revolution if you all just changed your diets. A revolution would change huge... Um, Issues that affect our world by just changing that one thing, by educating yourself about your physical health and change your diet. Educate yourself emotionally. Gain skills to understand what does it mean to be an emotionally healthy person, to not be reacting out of your wounded child self, but also to not be overindulging your emotions and suffering over your suffering and creating a big um, – seen when it isn't a big deal right and to really come to understand what does a person look like and act like in the world when their emotions are available they flow freely they are engaged and involved in what they are doing um, in a way that has passion in a way that has purpose um, and they're not in denial of their emotions and shut down they don't uh, shirk from the hard things in life, but at the same time, they don't indulge um, and suffer over their suffering. And educate yourself about what's really going on. Look into how your brain runs you and learn how to run your brain. Learn about archetypes and how they move through the world and how to move with them and how to stay out of the shadows that we create when the archetypes are trying to happen and we don't let them. Learn about your dreams. Learn about the big and vast mental world. And your own mental wisdom body beyond the academic education um, or just rebelling against that, right? And educate yourself spiritually. There is a lot going on all the time that affects you directly that you cannot see. And the fact that you don't believe in that doesn't mean it's not real. Educate yourself. I'm, I'm actually shocked these days when I meet someone who's interested in talking 
interested in talking to me about shamanism as if it's this brand new idea. It's always sort of shocking to me. Okay, so the other thing the visionary said is that a, a simple action that most of you could take right now would be simply to volunteer in areas, in, in, in programs that already exist in areas that matter to you. Something that has meaning or purpose for you in your life and through that to cultivate a greater capacity for empathy and compassion for situations outside of the life that you're mediating for yourself. We live in very controlled lives now. People on their phones, got their headphones on, listening to the music they want to hear. Like their their lives, their the platforms of everything they see visually on their gadgets, their music, everything is shaped and profiled to them. And so we come, become less and less tolerant of things that are other than what we want. And by volunteering in, in some organization that is meaningful to you, you'll be exposed to all of these situations that are out of your control, that are engaged here in what's going on in the real world. And you can develop greater resiliency and compassion and empathy for real life, life not mediated by technology. Not that that isn't part of our real life, but we're losing our balance between reality and this, this technology uh, and our self-mediated life that is um, so protected from the real world that we need to be taking action in. And so through that, the visionary is saying that you can develop a tolerance for doing things you don't want to do. And I don't mean this in the abusive sense. I'm not saying you should, you should, you know, develop a capacity to be in abusive situations. I'm talking about the everyday things, the real things you don't want to do, like work. <laughs> and particularly, I mean, working at the boring things. Like, for example, lots of you would, myself included, would like to have a book done, right? But the hard thing is bellying up and writing every day. It's the work. So, for example, my husband and I purchased a piece of land, lovely piece of land. It's not very big, fairly close outside of Portland. Um, that uh, is going to allow us to restore a barn so that we have a larger classroom space. That as I age, I can continue to offer the cycle teaching somewhere in a way that's not so tiring for me to be traveling to retreat centers, and a small, very small farmhouse. Um, that we can remodel to have a place to feed people. It will not be a retreat center that people can stay at, but it will be a place that he and I can both teach from. So this is, that's the vision in a nutshell, right? Now, of course, as we purchased the land, um, we wanted to go right into remodeling the barn. I mean, the land was beautiful. It's got a little forest. It's got you know, mushrooms growing everywhere and indigenous species and it's lovely and we thought we just want to remodel this barn and start teaching there. Um, but, you know, but then we walked the land and found that this land, though it's out in a rural area, um, hadn't been tended for a long time and that people in many in America, I know if you're in Norway, this is horrifying to you, but in America, people just throw their shit in their backyard. I mean, the, the, the amount of crap from decades of people living on this land and not taking anything to the dump that we found on this land. We had this huge dumpster pile of just junk, stuff that was never going to go back to the earth. And so we had to drag all that out. And as we did that, we had some people come in and we looked at some of the species that were growing there and realized we had some really aggressive, invasive plant species there. Some of them 150-foot trees that needed to be taken down or pretty soon they would um, take over and wipe out the um, indigenous species, the little cedar forest that we had there. So we had to cut down trees. We had to chop the wood. We had to build a wood shed to put the wood that we chopped. And, you know, and so it, what we realized as we came onto this property and we have this very clear vision of what we want to build, but we literally have had years of work, of just work, just, just hourly, relatively non-skilled labor to do, chopping wood. Building a shed, you know, I mean, it's somewhat skilled later, but my point is it's work. And then on top of that, there's two acres and it's Oregon stuff grows. Lots of stuff you don't want grow 
grows. So as we start to tend the land, there's constant weeding and maintaining the land, especially the different areas that we're starting to create, like a little sacred site here. Well, then it needs to, once we create it, then it needs to be tended. There's, there's always weeding in Oregon every month of the year. <laughs> there's something growing that needs to be weeded. So my point is hours and hours and hours of work. And as much as my community would love to see this this manifest, this vision manifest, you know, when's the barn going to be ready? When's the barn going to be ready? But And people want to come and paint the barn. They want to help with the special work. They want to do the fun parts. But people, for the most part, don't want to come and do the boring work, the hours and hours and hours of labor. Now, I share this story because honestly – as I work with people to manifest their soul's purpose and their vision all the time. That has been a focus of my practice from the very beginning. And this place is the place a huge portion of people fail because they do not want to do the work they don't want to do. They want to do, like for me, they want to do the teaching. They want to teach the retreats. They don't want to do all of the work that goes, that happens for an entire year so that one retreat can happen. They don't want to do that work. And it's that work, that amount of just anonymous, you're not special, it's not fun to do work that keeps people from taking the steps to build the bridge to the new vision. And that's what I mean about oh, – that's what the visionary means, about your steps need to have traction in reality. And there's a whole lot of drawing the resources out of what is and moving it towards the new vision that just takes hours of work. And we need to be the ones to do it. Okay, so it's doing the work. It's tending what you create once you've created it. It's having patience for the next steps. And sometimes when you're dealing in ordinary reality, you have to wait for certain things to happen that are not in your timing, but it's required that you find that right timing. And you sometimes simply have to be patient with that because it's the real world. There's someone other than you here. There's stuff other than you here, like seasons, weather, permits. <laughs> it's just stuff and you have to be willing to deal. Um. And that all of these steps need to be taken in, as I said, in reality. And so what's important then is to notice where you continue to propagate the underlying issues with the current reality. In other words, where are you still playing out in your inner self where you're not looking the very issues you're trying to change in, in the vision, in the world? So, for example, the fundamental problems with the current reality are largely based in an assumption of separation from God. Religions that see separation from God, different political parties. I mean, there's a whole bunch of separation that we see all over the globe right now. And so this is what I always refer to as the lie of separation. And so what are the separation that you create within yourself? I don't mean necessarily religious. I don't mean necessarily political. I just mean separation that you create within yourself. Where do you lack intimacy with aspects of yourself? Because those are ways, and you could journey about that, right? And use your shamanic skills then to transform that because some of that um, separation within yourself could be happening because of soul loss. You might need to ask for help there. could be happening because of ancestral patterns. It could be just you. But the point is when we are unwilling to look for that separation within us, then whatever we manifest will continue to manifest separation. So this is the other thing the visionary is saying is make absolutely sure that whatever it is that you're wanting to change in the current reality to get to the vision, you've changed within yourself. And so you can journey about what distorts your vision. Where are you lying to yourself? This is very important that the visionary lies and denial are um, things that we do so that we do not bear the brilliance of the vision. It's very much like our fear of our power. So lying to ourself about ourself is a way that we can um, 
tone down that vision that we're meant to manifest in the world. Lying to others. These are both ways that we diminish the vision. And also denying yourself who you truly are. Denying the truth of yourself to yourself. These things, denial and lying, are ways that we tone that vision down. Boy, wouldn't want to actually manifest the real reason we came here to live, would we? That's much too brilliant, much too beautiful, much too infused with blessings for the world for you to actually stop being who you are right now and go be that beautiful vision. What is so important about who you are in this moment that you cannot surrender her for who you could become? Surrender him for the person you were born to be. This is what the visionary is asking of us. Stop lying to yourself and denying. And lies and denial, since they are happening actively in the moment, are very, very good things to journey about. You can get very clear answers from spirit about them as long as you're open to hear that answer. And so this brings me then to this last part of the visionary's message, which was to think beyond the now and really open up to what has meaning and purpose and to to allow that to infuse the vision regardless of what you think right now about those things that have meaning and purpose. So in other words, um, thinking beyond the now is about not letting current reality be a limitation, but to see it simply as what is, where we need to take action. But other than that, it is simply the raw material that is going to be changed into. Um, And it could also be cautionary tale. You know, what is could also be what we want to be sure we don't continue to do. That's possible as well. But anyway, um, you want to hold a constant awareness of meaning and purpose and not let that which has meaning and purpose to you get mitigated and made small by perceived limitations from current reality. The other thing that's important about a vision you are going to manifest in your life is make sure that it allows you to live with no regrets. And... um, constantly ask yourself, okay, in the building of this bridge toward this new vision, if that, then what now? Don't make assumptions. Ask. Ask spirit. And this is the final piece, excuse me, that shamanism gives us is we don't have to come up with answers based on the answers we already have, like reshuffling answers we already have. The beauty of journeying is we can journey and ask, okay, if this, if this in current reality, and this is where we're going with the vision, what now? What is the next step? Great. How do I do that? And how do I do that in a way that has traction in the world? So the power of your vision connects you to your life dream meaning you're the part of the big dream that's dreaming your particular life into this manifestation for this very short period of time that you are alive. And so the power of the vision in you, the visionary in you, it connects you to that life dream. That is your fragment of the big dream, that 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 line through the big dream, that thread through the big dream that is manifesting as you. And so before the, the big dream dreamt you into existence, it dreamt your universe. And your universe dreamt your planet. Your planet dreamt your ancestors into existence. And your ancestors lived and they dreamed and their dreams of the future became you. All that is good and true and beautiful about those people in your ancestral line stands behind you. And it supports you in the expression of your life dream, your thread, your song line in the great choral orchestra of the universe unfolding. So their support, the support of the ancestors, the support of working with spirit, but in particular the ancestors, the support of the ancestors is like a harmony that lifts up your song. And enriches that soul song that the universe is singing through you. 
And that vision is the song manifest. And it's not just a vision of you in the world, but it's a vision of you creating the world in which you want your descendants to live. So I give great thanks to the helping spirits all around us, the ancestral helping spirits for all of the help that they offer us. I give gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. I do want to let all of you know, since many of my listeners are young and um, excited about things like entheogens that and um, spiritual activism, that there's a new free summit called the Modern Shaman Summit, and it's sponsored by Entheo Nation. Um, and so this is, I think, a summit for perhaps a little bit less conservative audience and an audience that is deeply, deeply interested in um, sh- spiritual activism and the way that art and dance and um, all of the celebration of life ties into our shamanic work and how we create change in the world. So the registration is on my home page or will be by the end of the day today. And um, you can register through that link. Again, the whole summit is free, um, but you do need to register to participate. All right, everyone, have a great week. Thank you.